The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development. Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Playful Psychologist podcast. Today, I want to talk about something that I think, you know, we're seeing that's up and coming in Australia, and that is the PDA profile of autism. And I really want to talk about what that is and what it looks like and how that's maybe different to your um, typical diagnosis of autism um, and that sort of thing. So for those of you that don't know, PDA stands for pathological demand avoidance and it's a condition that's associated with autism so it's basically I guess to sum it up like a behavioral type of autism that's characterized by a really overwhelming or almost obsessional need to resist or avoid demands which can obviously um, lead to really big meltdowns and violent outbursts because we know kids with autism typically um, don't you know, find it difficult to follow instructions. But with PDA, it's kind of like not being able to follow instructions on steroids. So it's much more than just a tantrum. It's much more than a minor meltdown. It's a huge meltdown whenever um, kids are asked to do something because they're so resistant to it. So it's a profile that describes kids whose main characteristic is to avoid everyday demands and expectations, but to an extreme extent. So we're not talking about like refusing to put on your shoes and just like avoiding it completely. We're talking about if you ask a child to put their shoes on and even that small act of asking them results in the biggest meltdown that you've had that week. So people with a PDA profile, uh, I guess, driven to avoid those everyday demands but also like in any like social expectations but to an extreme extent so why I keep repeating myself in that regard is because it's really important to go I don't want everyone listening to this being like oh maybe my child has that profile because this profile is rare and it is extreme so it's not just like I said and not just a minor meltdown it's huge so the demand avoidance is often um, but not always accompanied by really high levels of anxiety so again when we look at these behaviors we need to look at the why and when we look at the why of people with a PDA profile it's not that they don't want to follow instructions because that's more ODD right here we're looking at like extreme anxiety around following instructions for whatever reason it can be different for everyone and although there's no you know prevalent studies or like um you know to let us know how common this is right now it is thought that a pda profile is quite uncommon um I i used the word rare before I guess. But again, is that because we don't have these studies or we haven't looked into it too much? I'm not sure. But right now, as of, you know, the 27th of November, 2021, 
it is thought to be quite uncommon. But it is really important, even though it is uncommon, to recognise and understand this distinct profile as it does have implications for the way that we support those young people with a PDA profile. So let's look at like what some of the differences are, you know, between people with a classic autism diagnosis and then people with an autism diagnosis and a PDA profile. So people with a PDA profile can appear to have, you know, quite sound social understanding and communication skills. Um, and those skills may seem quote unquote better than someone else that just purely has a diagnosis of autism and people with a PDA profile are often able to use that I guess to their advantage a little bit they often appear quite social um, quite socially charming but they really struggle to understand those intricacies and subtleties of the social interaction on a really deep level so I guess what I'm trying to say is they're able to mask their difficulties um, quite a bit you may see children with a PDA profile describe um, having a best friend but they're adamant that their friend is not allowed to play with anyone else in the class. They may struggle to understand why that is wrong or inappropriate. And quite frankly, this this person that they're describing as their best friend may not actually be a friend of theirs. It's someone that they you know, may have just clung on to a little bit. And I guess what the difficulty is there is these apparent you know, social abilities that kids are, you know, copying and mimicking from their classmates can often mask the difficulty with processing and understanding communication and social situations, which is where these kids, um, you know, may have increased anxiety. So the distinctive features of, a, you know, demand avoidant PDA type profile include um, being resistant and avoidant of ordinary everyday demands, um, using social strategies as a part of uh, avoidance. So for example, distracting the person that's asked for you know, them to complete a task or giving an excuse of, as to why they can't complete a task. Um, people with a PDA profile, like I said before, may also appear quite sociable, but they do lack that deep level social understanding. They may experience excessive mood swings and they may come across as very impulsive. They may appear quite comfortable in role play and pretend play and that sort of thing. But when it comes to then, you know, exploring that further or expanding on those skills, that's where they may struggle and shut down. And that's where you may see them cling on to a friend and not want that friend to kind of play with anyone else. And I guess that comes back to the anxiety as well. Um, and they often display behavior that's focused on other people as well. They're, they're very heavily focused on others. And I'm not sure whether that's due to like, I guess, you know, we spoke about the masking and that sort of thing, but it's interesting. And I think it's also important to note that people with this profile um, can appear like quite excessively controlling or dominating, especially when they feel anxious. However, on the flip side, they can also be really confident and engaging when they feel secure and in control. So it's really important to acknowledge um, that even though you know, some people with a PDA profile may seem quite high functioning, they do have a hidden difficulty or a hidden disability and we can't kind of let that slide. But I guess with everything, anything as well, when we get down to a child feeling safe and secure and a bit more in control of what's going on, that's when those behaviours start to decrease. And like with any child, we need to make these children with a PDA profile feel safe or feel secure. And that's when their anxiety will be decreased and Consequently, the behaviours will be decreased because if you think about like just any child with autism or ADHD that really struggles with transitions, same thing here. It's like struggling with those changes. But again, like I said, on steroids. 
So let's look into um, some of the, so we went through, I guess, some of the like what a child with a PDA profile may look like, you know, generally, but let's look at some, let's now look at some like real specifics of what these children uh, may need because children with a PDA profile actually need a lot of support, even though they may be high functioning because, um, you know, like I said, they need that support to feel safe and secure. And the earlier that recognition of the PDA profile is, you know, understood and, and seen, the sooner more appropriate supports can be put in place, especially at school. So some of the things you may see in a child with this profile include, um, they just always refuse absolutely always refuse to do what they're asked the answer always is no they talk back they deliberately ignore instructions they won't participate in activities make their own rules they get angry really easily they um, are really stuck in negative thought patterns they have really strong and they're adamant about their likes and dislikes but they can't often tell you why they like something or why they dislike it it's kind of just like that rigid thinking and they tend to give excuses when asked to complete a task like like I said before like I'm tired my hand hurts and that sort of things when it comes to um, working with these children obviously I'm not going to go into like the nitty-gritty details because every child is so different but in general it's really important to try and remain calm and non-confrontational because the minute that we do appear a little bit more confrontational that's when the behavior escalates and the meltdown can be um the meltdown of someone with PDA, I guess, can be likened to a bit of a panic attack. So yes, there's behavior, but there's also that shortness of the breath and difficulty breathing and, and really big difficulty regulating. So because that's what it looks like, having that reassurance and giving that calm approach rather than, you know, punishments or raising your voice is much more likely to be effective. If a child's having a panic attack, you're not going to respond by yelling at them. And it's the same thing here. You simply just cannot do it um, because anxiety is a core underlying factor and we need to be really, really mindful of that. So again, it's really important um, to avoid direct demands like you need to or you've got to. So I guess like a bit more of an emotion coaching approach, giving a few choices would be the most beneficial way of communicating with a child who does have this PDA profile of behavior. Now, before we wrap up, I know we've spoken a lot about um, kind of what PDA looks like, how that differs from your classic autism diagnosis and all of that sort of thing. But I guess for those listening here in Australia, it's also really important to recognize that PDA is currently not recognized here. So it cannot be formally diagnosed. Um, and I think we are still of the understanding here that it's like, quote unquote, too similar to just autism or an ODD diagnosis. However, I do think that will change in the near future as, um, you know, more information, more research and, and that sort of thing is done on these um, profiles because I think with, as with anything, the more that we know, the better understanding we have and the more then we can help these kids. So I do think it is important to talk about it because there are definitely children that are much more defiant than others. And I hate to think that they're flying under that naughty label because they're not naughty. There's something intrinsically going on for them and we really, really need to be able to help them. If you are after more information on PDA, definitely check out Sue Larkey's website. She has quite a bit of information there, um, which would be extra helpful if you're a teacher because that's her background. Um, but I do hope that was helpful. As with all my podcast episodes, I like them to be short and sweet because I know we don't have an hour, um, you know, to to chat every day and an hour to ourselves. So this one is a nice short one. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, please email me um, at the playful psychologist at 
gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at The Playful Psychologist. I hope you guys have a really great week and I'll chat to you next time. See you later.